Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Please be seated. Well, life is complicated and messy enough, but then here comes politics to throw a whole bunch of more manure on the pile. It's hard enough to figure out who believes what. Politics makes strange bedfellows, and it's no different than in Matthew chapter 22. You've got two groups, inherently political. On the one hand, you have the Pharisees, and on the other, the Herodians. Now, the Pharisees hated Herod. They wanted nothing to do with Rome. They had secede bumper stickers on their chariots. And if they had an offertory, I suppose it would go something like this. What shall I render to Caesar for all his taxes upon me? I will offer the sword of revolution and will tell him to get out of here. So far as I've got, thinking about publishing it. The Herodians, on the other hand, you couldn't tell by their name, Kind of like Herod, who was ruling in the place of Caesar. The Pharisees, well, they were the libertarians. They said taxation is theft. The Herodians, they didn't mind more taxes to fund their social programs. So what are they doing together? How are they united? Jesus. Jesus brings people who don't belong together, together. Now that's the gospel, is it not? Jesus unites sinners who are alienated against God to God. But it also works the other way around. He unites people who hate him. All of this might seem complicated and messy, figuring out which political group, which country, what they believe, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day... We can really simplify it because we live in a binary world. You got two options. You are either with Christ or you are against him. It's really that simple. But that doesn't completely solve all of our conundrums. Because here's the conundrum. How can faithful people live in a world governed by unfaithful people? rulers. That's what was happening in the first century. Okay, Caesar was the king. When Julius Caesar died, the Roman Senate declared him to be God. Now, I've got a quick rule that I would like to implement. Can we just wait to declare people God until after they come back from the dead? I think it would solve a lot of our problems. Then Caesar Augustus, that's Julius's adopted son, Octavian, his title would have been the Son of God. That's who Caesar, when Jesus is born. So it's remarkable that Jesus is the Son of God. It's totally an explosive term. Now, in Matthew 22, the Caesar would be Tiberius, and emperor worship was still going on. It's the same conundrum we face. How can a faithful people live in a world that is governed by unfaithful and even idolatrous rulers. Well, the good news is, that's what most of the Bible is. <laughs> it's mostly idolatrous kings. So how do we get out of this one? 
Well, there are some who would propose that we don't live in it at all, that we just escape. We say, see us, start our own colony. And that works for a little while, but don't be so naive, because it doesn't work eternally, because they will always catch up to you. That's the truth. You cannot escape this world. Or there are others who would propose that we just submit to the government in absolutely everything, because they read passages like Romans 13 or various other portions of the New Testament, and the Bible does say obey your civil leaders. It does. But the problem with this proposal is that it rips it out of its context and it doesn't compare it to any other biblical passages. So it's like, yeah, submit to the government and everything, even if the government tells you, get 25 boosters, wear three masks, sit in your basement, and don't come to church because it's dangerous. Okay, you see where this goes. And people will say, well, the government told me to do it, so I gotta do it. Neither of these options are good. So what's a guy to do? Well, Jesus was in a catch-22 in Matthew 22, and he gets through it, so perhaps we better look at how Jesus addresses his conundrum. The conundrum is this. They're asking him about taxes, and if he says, yeah, just pay your taxes, don't think anything of it, the Pharisees are right there, and they're going to accuse him of supporting an idolatrous government. They're going to say, hey, buddy, you're breaking the first commandment. But on the other hand, if Jesus says, well, just park all your cash in the Caymans and don't give the Romans a shekel, the Herodians are right there. And they're going to accuse Jesus of treason. So what's a guy to do? Well, the first thing to say is would you just stop trying to trap Jesus? <laughs> it's like trying to catch a leprechaun. You're not going to get your gold and you're going to be embarrassed, and everybody is going to laugh at you. They are trying to outwit wisdom incarnate, and it's just not going to work. I like to picture Jesus as first taking a deep breath, which we should all do from time to time in dealing with our sinful world. And I like to think he chuckled a little bit, and he said, show me the coin, and we'll get to that in a second. But then he says something, and by definition, whenever Jesus speaks, it is the word of God, so that's where we should go to. And what he said left the crowd marveling, which is amazing because they were opposed to him. He says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now what does that mean? Well, first render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. The first thing it means is that you can live in a sinful world with a good conscience because God has placed you here. That's what it means. You remember what Mordecai said to Esther? He says, who knows? God might have placed you here for such a time as this. And that was living under the unbelieving Persians. God has placed you here for such a time as this. And so embrace it. You can live with a good conscience. And you can do so because all authority, whether evil or unbelieving or good and believing, all authority comes from God. Did you notice the first verse of our Old Testament reading? It happens to be on the cover of your bulletin. And that's Cyrus that's pictured there. It's a good looking guy. I'm always amazed at how great these guys had with their beards. I mean, 
We've got salons, but how do they do it? The Lord says to his anointed, Cyrus. Now, what I'm pointing out is that term, anointed, Cyrus. And the reason that's so remarkable is because Cyrus is an unbelieving Persian king, and the Lord, Yahweh, calls him his anointed one. Do you know what the Hebrew term is for anointed one? Messiah. God calls an unbelieving Persian king his Messiah. All authority is from God, whether they know it or not. Now, God doesn't like an evil king. He doesn't. Psalm 2 says he laughs at the kings who planted him in derision. That is true. But he is able to use evil and tyrannical governments for his good. God is playing 4D chess. Now, the first thing we have to say about this is that we deserve an evil and tyrannical government. It's exactly what we deserve. But God is able to use that, and the ultimate good that would come out of that is that we would repent and return to our one true king, God himself. Now, what things should we render to Caesar? What things belong to Caesar? Well, the obvious thing is your taxes. Okay, you can... You can pay your taxes with a good conscience. Now, we can and we should lobby to have our tax dollars not used for evil things. In fact, you can even lobby to have our tax bill lowered because if God only demands 10%, then anybody who demands any more than that has put themselves over and above God. So we can get there eventually. It's kind of a dream. But... Nevertheless, you can pay your taxes. Now, here's a good way to view your money. View it like monopoly money. And I don't say that to mean treat it trivially, because I take monopoly very, very, very seriously, and so do you, because you get angry at me when I own Boardwalk and Park Place and put all my hotels on there. In fact, my wife refuses to play monopoly with me, and excuse this illustration for going on too far, but the monopoly man's face is on the dollar, meaning it is only good in that game. In the same way, your dollars, they're only good here in this life. But the effects of that money transcends the game. It's like when you die, you can't take your money with you. But Revelation says good works follow the saints into heaven. There are rewards in heaven. You're not going to earn your way there. And we'll talk about that next week with Reformation Sunday. But we will be rewarded. So on the one hand, if Caesar wants a dollar, it's like, who cares? I have heavenly riches. But on the other hand, we can use our unrighteous wealth to accomplish righteous things. So that's the first thing, pay your taxes. Second thing, to render to Caesar, honor and respect. Because God has placed them there. This means praying for our leaders by name. It also means that we probably need to implement a little more honor and respect into our culture. Not entirely sure how to get it back, but David is really our model here in the Old Testament because he's living with a wicked king, Saul. And yet, how does David treat that king? He refuses to kill him. He says, I'm not going to lay my hand on the Lord's anointed. He honored and respect what the Lord had put in place. Now, maybe we can get honor back if we enforced a dress code on the Senate floor, but... I don't know. The next thing, and the last thing to render to Caesar, 
Sometimes it's necessary, and this seems paradoxical, but sometimes it's necessary to render resistance to Caesar. And by so doing, we actually honor him because we remind our government officials that all authority really comes from God. Two times in Daniel, a king tells all the people to worship him. And two times, faithful people resist. Whether it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if it's Daniel himself when it comes to the lion's den. And they were not dishonoring the king by telling him no. They were actually honoring him. And this will inevitably happen. Kings will try to claim what does not rightly belong to them. And when that happens, we must render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's resistance so that we can render to God the things that are God's. What that means is, my friends, if anybody buys you who is not named Jesus, they did not pay enough. Do not let anyone besides the triune God own you. We can give George Washington a quarter because his image is on the coin. But whose image is on you? God's. Doesn't belong to anybody else except for him. Now that image was distorted from the fall into sin. Yes, it was. But God paid a hefty price to restore that image. He sent his son, the image of the invisible God, to take on human flesh. And he paid the price with his blood. It means that we can live on this earth knowing that God has placed us here, and yet heaven is our eternal home. It means you can say with St. Paul, it's better for me to die so that I can be in heaven with Jesus. That's true. But it is better for my neighbor if I remain here so that I can do good works. Christians must be involved in civic affairs. We must be involved in politics. Not because politics can save us, but because our politics need saving. And so, pay your taxes but with even more zeal, come and bring your thankful offering to the Lord. Go to the voting booth and let your voice be heard. But then with even more earnestness, come into these pews to let your voice be heard to God. Follow the civil laws, but then follow the Ten Commandments. And if the two conflict, we must obey God rather than men. Pray for your civic and your political leaders, but even more so pray for your spiritual leaders that the Lord of the harvest would send even more workers into his vineyard and keep up with the political, keep up with the local news because you live here, but then even more so listen to God's news of the gospel. My friends, Jesus is king, which means that Caesar and everybody else is not. Life gets messy, it gets complicated, I know, but Christ's reign brings clarity, and it brings peace. Whose image were you created in? Were you created in Caesar's image? No. Unlike Caesar, Jesus died for you. Unlike Caesar, Jesus knows your name. And unlike Caesar, Jesus came back from the dead, and he will come again to resurrect you to judge the living and the dead. And so now I ask you, which king will you render your soul to? To Christ alone be all the glory now and forever. Amen.